Welcome to Lit with Kelly and Jacqueline, the podcast. If you're one of the people who have stopped by our blog at litwithkellyandjacqueline.com, thanks for reading and for finding us here. If this is the first time you've heard of us, we're glad you found the podcast. I'm Kelly. And I'm Jacqueline. And here we are. Happy New Year to everybody. We Happy are, New Year. We are back in the book cave after a short little hiatus, I guess we could call sure. it. Um, here for our 11th episode, I believe. And uh, we have our audio engineer, Tim, and our mascot, Moose, and of course, Grace, the cat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody's here today. I like it. Uh, for episode 11, we, um, we read... And are going to talk about today The Heirloom Garden by Viola Shipman, um, who is a Michigan author. So that was exciting. The Heirloom Garden is a book about um, a young family who rent a house and move in next door to sort of a reclusive um, woman who... Did I already say this? Is their landlord? Um, no, you didn't say that. Okay. okay, so a young family who moves in next door to a reclusive woman who happens to be their landlord, um, and they slowly start to warm to each other after a few little mishaps. Um, and the family, Abby, Corey, and Lily are the family, um, start to break down Iris's physical and metaphorical walls uh and they warm to each other through the power of flowers <laughs> a lot of flowers a lot of flowers you're <laughs> if you're a gardener this book is really really going to appeal to you so um but uh yeah so there's as i guess as brief a summary as we can give without giving too much away right and so because this book is called that heirloom garden and has a lot of flowers in it we chose for our cocktail this time i believe it's called the pink and white blossom cocktail and it's supposed to have i had to do a little <laughs> uh, reorganize and re reinventing uh, it's supposed to have valentine white uh, blossom vodka in it with grapefruit juice simple syrup and club soda but I couldn't find the Valentine Vodka White Blossom. So I went with Kettle One Pear and Orange Blossom Vodka, which is very, very good. It, it smells a- like peach cobbler or something very peachy. It was an excellent substitution. Yes. And so here we are. It's so very good. You guys, <laughs> it's really too bad that we, you can't taste this drink with us today because it is delightful. It's like three ounces of the vodka six ounces no one one and a half ounces of vodka three ounces of grapefruit juice one and a half ounces simple syrup and then splash club soda so and ice and it's, it's very pretty tasty it's, it's a very blushy pink color yeah yeah it's and kelly made them she's so good she made them icy cold <laughs> i did they are <laughs> it's it's a lovely shot of um it feels like spring on it a does. cruddy January day. It does. So, <laughs> so good cheers. Job, Kelly. Happy cheers. New Year. Happy New Year. Oh, it's so good. All Very right. tasty. I don't imagine that one's going to last long. Mm-mm. Okay. So before we get into the heirloom garden, let's talk about what we're reading now. Okay, so guess what I'm reading? <laughs> what are you reading, Kelly? <laughs> I am reading... Hello, Summer by Mary Kate Andrews. <laughs> it's only been six months since I started the book, I'm sure. And uh, my goal is to finish it today. 
Um, so I started it back up on uh, December 31st because I had one book left in my Goodreads uh, challenge. So my goal was to read 60 books. I was at 59. So I picked this up because I only had 150 pages left. And I thought <laughs> for sure that I would be able to finish it. And then because it was New Year's Day, New Year's Eve, I went out drinking and I never finished it. So I didn't make my Goodreads goal. It's very sad. Yes, but you got to go out and experience I the did. new I social did. <laughs> zone downtown. So but that's fun. I have a bucket list for... 2021, right? So that's the first one on my bucket list, and I'm about ready to knock that one right off. That's going to so, be first on the list. That's the first on the list. All right. Yep. So that's right. what I've been doing. Um, so I finished just recently uh, the, the third in the Ellen Hildebrand Paradise trilogy. You guys, as an aside, I have to tell you... Kelly was the best Santa this year. She, you guys, she scored me an autographed trilogy or copy of the trilogy, and um, I have placed them in a, a, a spot on my shelf where no one else is going to be allowed to touch them. Oh, <laughs> and um, I never ever loan out my autographed copies. So those are yeah. So I finished Troubles in Paradise. Um, I think that it did a good job of wrapping up the trilogy. Um, interestingly. For those of you who have read it, um, I think we how it wrapped, I'm pretty sure was intentional um, in that we learned a lot more about Irene than anything. But I, I was OK with the ending. I thought it was a good like it tied up everybody's story, which was good. Um, and I'm now I'm finally I'm glad that I'm we finally know the ending to this second life of you know of this man who was leading two li- two very different lives <laughs> one in Iowa and one in St. John's um so I'm glad to, I'm I'm relieved to know you know the ending of that so that was good um I'm also reading <clears throat> I'm also reading for my book club my neighborhood book club The Ocean at the End of the Lane oh. by Neil Gaiman mm-hmm. which I have not read before um and I was one of the few in my group that hadn't read it but people or and most people in the group have read something by Neil Gaiman, so they were excited to read this one. Um, I just picked up today Becoming Mrs. Lewis by Patty Callahan Henry. I scored that one on Cloud Library. And I'm reading the next podcast book, which is do you want me to say it now? Yeah, you say it might later. as well. Yeah. So the the next podcast will be about the Authenticity Project by Claire Poole. Yes, I think that's right. And I um, thought that would be like a nice suggestion in the spirit of New Year's resolutions in January. <laughs> so, so that's what we're reading now. Um, anything else you want to talk about that you read on the hiatus before we move on to spoilers? No. Well, I can tell you that I read a, a, a bunch of very short cookbooks and um uh, graphic novels to get to the 59 books that nice. I tried <laughs> to grab. That works. It did. It, so it's, you know, graphic novels are something that I don't pick up that often because I just, I'm not a fan of graphic novels. I don't read that way. Sometimes they're very confusing for me. I don't necessarily get what's going on. So um, I always try at the end of the year when I'm trying to pad my challenge <laughs> to read something short we'll that way so but i do have upstairs right now i have i was gonna do this but it's a really thick book and i so i just and i wanted to really take the time to sit down and read it and it, it's in downton abbey's uh christmas cookbook oh oh it's beautiful it's absolutely gorgeous and so that's why i wanted to take time to go through yeah the pictures and stuff like that um but yeah 
See, and I'm one of those people who, when I'm looking at a cookbook, like, I might get some inspiration for, like, a meal out of cookbooks, but I just like to read them. I like to read the stories. I like yeah. to, I like to, um, you know, hear how the author or the creator of the recipes, like, developed it. I'm, right. You know, I'm, yeah, I'm a big fan of reading cookbooks. I have several on my shelf. And last year, 2020, my resolution was to make a thing out of every cookbook that I own. Oh, Okay. And, and? You, you would think that in a year where I spent a lot of time at home, right. I would have met that goal. I did not. No. <laughs> I think I did it out of three of them. And I'm pretty sure there's 24 or 25 on the shelf. Um, but but I was telling my husband about it the other day and I was like, you know, I might have to carry this goal over into 2021 because I didn't meet it. And he said the same thing. He was like, well, you know, we were home so much. You know what happened? And I was like, yeah, but. I got really good at making do with what we had at home. Right. And I have to tell you that none of the recipes in Gwyneth's cookbook did I have the ingredients for at home, just like laying around. Do you know what I mean? So, um, so yeah, I was, I will try again this year to, to cook out of all those books, but I'm, I just like to read the stories. (laughs) I know some of them, like I like uh, Mary Kay Andrews is a beach house cookbook. I've made a lot of recipes in there. They're so good. Yeah. It's all butter. It's like, it's, oh, almost, well, that it's almost like a Paula Deen cookbook because it's in the South, right? She's yeah. from Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> so, but um, yeah, the shrimps, shrimp, shrimps, shrimp and grits and it's to die for. Huh. Oh, it's so okay. good. Mm-hmm. We have to borrow that. Mm-hmm. And Get the macaroni and cheese. Mm. Oh, well, I do like mac and cheese. Yeah. Did you see that Mary Kay Andrews just bought herself a new beach house? I did. Yeah. Yes. I'm wondering if that one's going to be Okay, that's on our too. bucket list too. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to rent a cottage there. Yeah, we're gonna need a lot of people though. Those are yeah. big houses. Well, there's one that's smaller, I think, that's with like only slept six. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one I would go for. Yeah. When just before the holidays started, um, she posted that the one on Tybee Island had was still available for rent at Christmas. So I just I just went to the website, popped the dates in just to see, just to get a quote, and I wanted something like six grand for the week surrounding <laughs> Christmas. And I was like, I mean, I really like Mary Kay Andrews and this house looks really cool, but Mm. <laughs> right. 6,000 just, you know, if you had a group, group. different story. Absolutely. Right? Right, Absolutely. right, right, right. Yeah. Nope, can't yeah. travel with a group right now, so. No. Yeah, yeah that's but, not going to work. So I'm excited to see what she does because she's a, if you guys, if anyone follows her social media, you know that she's a big thrifter. You know, she goes to antique stores yeah. and vintage and so. I'm excited well, that's also why does. it kind of scared me a little bit because I think all the tchotchkes in the house. Oh, have you? Because if you go look at the mm-hmm. listings of her house and you go through, I mean, there's seashells and there's like little sayings on the wall. I mean, that kind of stuff yeah. drives me absolutely bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> but if I'm renting, I guess it's okay because yeah. she collects. She's yes. like an antique person. So, um, oh, yeah. Well, but anyway. So I'm excited to watch this develop on Instagram because, you know. All right. Okay. So from here on out, spoiler alert for uh, the Heirloom Garden. If you have not read it, stop the podcast here. Go have a listen or or a read of this book. Viola Shipman is the author's name. Um, and then come back and see what we had to say. And if you agree with us, then. S H I P M A. Yes. Thank you, Tim. He can hear us in headphones. <laughs> oh, right. oh, it <laughs> so, doesn't like. So maybe. <laughs> You're casually listening. It's not what you may have thought. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Shipman with a P like Paul. (laughs) Right, right. All right. Yes, that's right. That could have been a rough start to 2021. Okay. All right. So, Kelly, did you pick out any themes in this one? (laughs) I've picked out several themes. Um, 
depending on the character, right? Because I okay. feel like each character had their own theme. So, okay. like, um, so a lot of uh, women equality in the workplace. Yep. So we should say that this book is actually. It's between two time periods. So World War Two, because mm-hmm. that's Iris is the older woman who's the landlord. She's like in her 80s, I believe. I think so. Yeah. So she actually owns uh, the two properties that are right next door to each other. She lives in one and she rented to the young family, which is Abby, Corey and Lily. She was a botanist. Yes. And that's what she, so Iris was a botanist and she has this heirloom garden. And so her, her the house next door that she's renting is actually her grandmother's house and so she would and then she's living in her parents house and so she had her grandmother had this beautiful garden next door but she dug up all the plants when she rented or before she rented and moved it onto her own property and these a lot of these um, plants are years 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 old you know like and then she hybridizes them and makes different things and different uh, combinations of color and whatever and uh it's it's based based on her family this the her garden is her family mm-hmm. and you know uh her husband who's passed away he well he in world war ii he died right so and her daughter's passed away she had polio so this is her family and so she hybridizes these flowers to represent her family yeah Pretty much, right? First of all, I would like to compliment you on twice nailing the word hybridize without <laughs> even hesitating. It's because my drink hasn't kicked in I, yet. Because <laughs> I had to read that word a few times when we were reading this book. So good work, good work on that. Um, yeah. So she, and she she was saying when she was like grafting the plants together that a lot of times it would take like three years for her to find out if it was going to work right. if the plant was what she thought it was going to be she named a lot of them for her relatives yes um so yeah i fully agree that in the absence of the people in her life this this has become what she lives for absolutely and and going back to the theme of uh women equality in the workplace so she was a botanist and she was working for a gardening center mm-hmm. or something and uh, she was getting a lot of, and this would have been in 1960s, probably. Yep. Um, she was getting a lot of, she had all these ideas, and the males that owned the place were either sealing her ideas or not allowing her, yeah, not allowing her to uh, seek out her full potential. So anyway, she ended up going out on her own and starting her own gardening business from her house i'm pretty sure yep from yeah and then and so you flat fast forward to 2003 when abby Corey, and lily lily can't say that one <laughs> are, are living there so abby is this uh woman engineer working in um uh they build boats. Paint. Paint, yep. yes. And uh, so it's the colors of the paint. So she's got all these ideas and very descriptive colors of paint. And then they all like her ideas. The male portion of the company does. Um, but they want to take them for their own and don't give her credit for it. Yeah, everything she has is named for something natural, right? Yeah. It's in nature yes. or it's, in a, it's a flower color. and and They're too girly. Yeah, yeah. everybody decides that they like... They like the colors. Right. They like them and what she's manufactured, but they're um, they're not having the girly names. Right. And so when she pushes back at this and, and actually has like data and statistics and, you know, says like 
hey, it's women who pick these colors and women who are making these decisions in the in the, you know in the relationship about can we spend this money on a boat and whatever and they just it doesn't seem to matter. Right. So she's got so she's got some drama going on at home which we'll get to. She's got this sort of sexism happening at work and it is a it is sort of a it's not a mirror image but it's a shared experience that she's having with Iris what 40 years later right and that they can connect with it's you know it's all about connection that's the other thing connection agreed (laughs) yeah yeah so so in the 60s when she opens this nursery out of her yard out of her own greenhouse and whatever she's opened up the nursery for people to come in and she like talks with them right she helps them develop plants that will work in their yards and you know what they want to do and then after a really unfortunate event after she is on television and it's broadcast and she says something about the Vietnam War. Yes. She sides with the, it sounds like she sides with the flower power people. And in a ridiculous fit of rage, people come and just, they destroy everything. They rip everything out of her yard. They destroy the greenhouse. And so she, in the style of Willy Wonka, which is all I, I have to tell you, was all I can think of when, when this happened. In the style of Willy Wonka, she closed off her yard and herself to everybody around her. And until this family moves in next door, she's just on her own. And um, and she thinks she likes it that way. Right. She right. doesn't want to have anything to right. do with people. Right. But the persistence of the little girl next door is admirable <laughs> right so and they, again connection right so lily is a pretty precocious what eight-year-old five-year-old eight-year-old i think she's eight yeah, yeah she's going to school yeah a pretty precocious eight-year-old obviously so you have iris named after flower mm-hmm. you have lily named after flower so that's their connection and lily starts peeping through the fence at her and they start talking because you know who's going to ignore an eight-year-old little girl i don't care how walled off you are right um and then, of course, her home, Lily's home life at that time with her dad, who yep. just got out of uh, got home from Afghanistan, who has PTSD, is not a very good father at this point. No. So. No. In fact, the first time Iris and Lily meet is because Lily can't get in. Like, he forgot to pick her up. Right. right. So and she walked trying, home from camp. She's trying to get into the house and she can't. And she's crying. And Iris sees it. And she's having this like struggle. Like, ooh, right. Do I get involved? Do I not get involved? And I mean, it's good that she did. But yeah. So it, you're right. It is very much. And it's a <laughs> Iris even has this connection with like with the ghosts in her life. Right. She still has her daughter's room has stayed the exact same as it was the day right. that she died. Um, her husband's presence is very much felt in her home um so yeah she's trying really hard to stay connected to the people that she loved through working with these plants but really wants nothing to do with anybody new right right um so to to read the story about how they they warm up to each other and it's not it's not it's not all roses no it's not no no no, it's not (laughs) it's definitely there are ups and downs and there you know there are misunderstandings and assumptions made and you know it's yeah but i mean they work at that relationship mm -hmm. to make that connection and um i mean it's a good story i mean it is a good story i enjoyed the book um the writing was flowery very much flower. It is a good word for it. Very descriptive. Mm-hmm. It does evoke emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, so, 
And I'm I'm assuming that was the intent. Oh, I would. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to assume that was the intent. It was very deliberate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I would like to go read one of his others just to see if it's sure. the same. Oh, and she said his others because you guys, Viola oh, sorry. Shipman. No, no, no. Because we need to talk about that because Viola Shipman is actually Wade Rouse, who um, I have, whose memoirs I have read, but okay. I didn't, this was the first Viola Shipman book that I had read. Ship Man. What <laughs> <laughs> book that I read. Um, and I knew that going in. So I was wondering while I was reading it, was I, I don't, I knew projecting. that. No, I knew that going in, but I was so I was trying very hard not to be. I don't want to say biased because that's but judgmental or whatever. So the theme of the women's equality mm-hmm. was that over the top. I to me, I kept thinking, okay, is this necessary? And why are we picking? Why are why are why are we set in two thousand and three? Right when it's published in two thousand. I mean, what? What was the purpose of that? And why was women's, you know, inequality in the workplace such a strong theme, even for Iris in 1960 something Mm -hmm. and Lily in 2003? I mean, I can see it, but I kept going back to is it really other than to make that connection between them? Is it really beneficial to the story? Yeah, because Abby had enough happening in her life without the added work drama. With trying to convince, like so you said, her husband Corey had PTSD, but it was unacknowledged PTSD, oh, right? So that's the that's the big thing here is that he didn't think he needed help, he didn't want to talk to anybody, he thought everything was fine. But meanwhile, he's drinking himself into a stupor every day, so he's forgetting to pick up his kid, and you know he's he's you know slacking on all the other things that he says he's going to do, and them not saying that that absolutely is not an appropriate reaction to PTSD. I'm just, <laughs> well, right, I'm just right, saying that exactly. it's different. Yeah. Well, it's it's important to to note that he was not acknowledging that he had right. this, you know, this issue going on. Right. Um, so that would have been enough. But but meanwhile, even, you know, so she's doing this at home and then she's going to work and she's catching all this pushback from people there. But meanwhile, they hired her because they loved her ideas. Right. So she's coming into this thinking it's all going to be fine. And then she gets there and it's right. Not right. So. Right. And I felt like and I was just thinking about this today as I was writing notes for this book. I felt that all of them had issues, right? Mm-hmm. All four of them, even Lily, yep. the eight, the eight year old had issues, you know, with trying to navigate her parents mm-hmm. relationship and that kind of stuff. And it was just how we all have our issues and we deal with them separately without realizing like I don't know that Corey understood number one she didn't communicate I don't know that Corey understood that Abby was going through what she was going through no you know so he didn't realize she tell him well exactly so it's we're all selfish in that respect Uh in some way you know, it's like if you don't communicate what you're going through, then no one's going to help you. And I felt Corey was the same way with his PT. So there's the other thing, communication with the PTSD. Right. Um, it's not that she didn't understand that he had an issue. He wasn't explain. He wouldn't share with her his issues. And it wasn't until right. uh, Iris. And I thought it was very interesting that when. He so he asked for her for help after Lily's been down at the lake playing by herself and the waves are coming crashing in because they live on the shores of Lake Michigan. These cottages are on the shore of Lake Michigan. So Lily has access to the beach and there's the one scene where she's down there playing by herself and she's in the water and the 
I've, I've been in Lake Michigan and you don't play around with that. And when it's crashing up and the red flag is waving. Right. right. And here's this eight year old little girl with no supervision and he can't go on the sand. Right. Because he was in Afghanistan. And that's where, you know, the tragedy, you know, the obviously it's all sand. Right. Right. <laughs> Afghanistan. But um so he can't go out to the beach to the sand. And so she tries to crawl out there. Iris is trying to crawl out yeah. to the beach. Literally, she is crawling along the fence trying to get to her because she has issues because she can't get. She doesn't want it like leaving her, her space. space. Yes. Yeah. So there's this big drama thing. And then and then he finally asks Iris for help because, again, that's their connection because Iris lost her husband in World War Two. She understands somewhat what Corey is going through. And anyway, she chooses a woman's uh, a woman counselor, psychiatrist, psychologist. Oh, yeah. And and, it, you know, you think about that and he he chose it because. She chose a woman because he has a hard time admitting as a man. So he was no way going to relate to a man Mm -hmm. and um, admit this weakness. So. Right. Right. Yeah. There. It was not a law. It was not a long book for all the things that happened in it. No, but it was full. Yeah. yeah, That's that's a great word for it because there. Yeah. I mean, it was. It wasn't short, but it also but there was a there's a lot that happens to these four people in right the and, 350 and, pages or whatever. Right. And it's a span of six months. I don't even think it's a year. I think they moved in in May. Yeah. And then, and then it ends on Christmas. Right. So, yeah, you're probably right. Six months or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a it was a good story. I Googled so, so, so many flowers while I was reading this. Well, I, I didn't thought, know what you know, so many were. So with the descriptive, you know, she also like when she talked about a flower, she also gave the history and its Latin word for it and why it was called such a thing. And, you know, and. Yeah. So you do learn a lot about that. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I said earlier, if you're a gardener, you're really going to like this book. You don't have to be a gardener to like this book because I'm definitely not. I am a plant killer. Like, I can't grow <laughs> anything. Um, well, my problem is I just don't water. Oh, well. It takes care. I mean, she was out there every single yes, day. It takes so much time. Yeah. But I like the things that I have tried to plant and take care of just they simply don't make it the things that have just like popped up in my yard that were left from other people or that just randomly get dropped by birds Birds. or whatever (laughs) they like they flourish but i just it's sort of like it's sort of like cats if you don't look you don't look them right in the eye like they're fine right but the minute you start to try to take care of them they turn on you. Right. <laughs> so, well, <laughs> that's my feeling on cats. Um, so I, yeah, I'm not much of a plant grower, but, um, but I did, I did look up a, a whole bunch of the ones that she was, that she was planting and talking about because I didn't know what a lot of them even look like. So, right. Uh, no, I, I, there's some of them that I really want to find. I mean, I wonder if they really exist. I mean, I know the general flower exists, right. but her hybridized. Yeah. Colors. Look at you, hybridized again. Hi- Good job. Hybridized. <laughs> Good job. Colors. You know, like some of them would have been beautiful colors. Yeah. So let's talk about the high point of the book for me was the actual knocking down of the physical wall. Oh yeah. Right. So I almost felt like it was the Berlin Wall. It, well, it had a <laughs> feeling like that. that it right? did. It had. It was a. It was a big moment because she's been surrounded by these neighbors for years and years and years, and the first. The first part of the of the fence comes down because of a storm. 
And a tree falls, falls on, on it. it. Yes. And so they're getting ready to try to like to fix it. And then she just decides like, nope, I'm done with this it's now. Time. So they between them, the the between Abby and Corey and Lily and Iris and then some other neighbors who start to show up. And pretty soon it's like a party. They're having snacks and drinks and they're literally just like <laughs> with their hands and willpower, like pushing these pieces of fence over. And um, I thought that was a really nice moment in the story for everybody and you could and it was it was um it was good to read or that the the author acknowledged that for iris that was probably a really uncomfortable moment but that she just sort of powered through it right right like right she it wasn't just that she totally changed her mind but it was she was choosing to be brave and connect with people instead of hiding right even though that was scary for her right so right. I did think that was, for me, that was the high point of the book. And, you know, just to give you reference to the fence, like when she built that fence, they, the people who were putting the fence up, it was just like a fence. And she said, no, double the size, like yeah. so tall. I yep. mean, it was like a double fence. Tall. Super high. Yeah. So there was no seeing. Nope. So, so that was a big moment for that to, to come down. Um, And then late, late in the book, maybe... Not quite the very end, but pretty close. I wasn't sure how I felt about them resurrecting the, the victory, victory garden. garden. I, did it feel like an overstep to you? Well, so then and this is where I go back to, like, what's actually needed in the story. Like, was that necessary? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And that was a very big but secret. But I'm not the writer, so. <laughs> right. It was a very big secret to keep in a tiny town. Yeah. Like, it's. I was shocked that word had not gotten back to Iris that this was happening. Right. Right. And also, it could have really gone badly. Right. Because the Victory Garden was where she got the note from the army that Jonathan had died. Exactly. And so, you know, it it was a very, like, special place to her before that. But then after that, it was just, I mean. Yeah, because isn't she, isn't, she was the one that destroyed the Victory Garden. Is she not? Did she destroy it or did she just stop going? I think she ripped it it out. I thought she, there was a scene where she ripped everything out. Okay. That could be. But in any case, I was a little a little worried about that. I mean, of course, the writer made it however he wanted it to, and that well, was fine. Absolutely, but, choice, I, right? but I was that um, in real life. I felt like that would have been a very risky undertaking. And I also thought the fact that, um, and I don't know why, but just based on Iris's personality, I didn't know how well um, finding her husband. Like, oh, I. I almost completely forgot about so, that. Like, yeah. Okay, so her husband dies in World War II, but they never brought his body home because they couldn't find him or they didn't know where he was. So now that was obviously 1940s, right? So 2003, you've got better technology and stuff like that. So Corey, because of his connections of being in the service, um, went and did some digging and uh, they found her husband's what whatever was left they just said remains yeah yeah yeah. so you know so they brought that home so i I kept thinking well that could backfire because you Mm -hmm. know like well she kept saying she wanted closure which is why he did it because she never really had closure but then i'm thinking it's like it starts all over again right yeah yeah it was she spent so much of this book basically telling them like mind your own business mind your own business mind your own business and then he gets into this very personal business exactly and again it really it could have gone right either way right um but you know i i do think the that the happiest ending of this book was obviously a deliberate 
to sit oh, in them absolutely. for the author. But, yeah. um, but it was, yeah, for all the drama, for all the conflicts that they had going on, both internally and externally, um, it was it was tidied up. Absolutely. I mean, and, but it didn't it wasn't tidied up as like, OK, we now live happily ever after. Nope. It was tidied up as like. There was closure for people and mm-hmm. we'll move forward. But it's nice it's we don't have start. to do it by ourselves. Yes. It's yeah. a start to move forward and get to a better place. Yeah. Yeah. So and as an aside, I also while I was Googling the flowers, I was also looking up the places in Grand Haven that they were <laughs> that they were going. And I was pleasantly surprised to find that <laughs> they were real. Um, so if you have not been to Grand Haven, uh, you'll want to look up places like the Musical Fountain where they go for the concert. Oh, right. But also, um, if you have been to Grand Haven, it, it's a nice little like pop of familiarity while you're reading it. So I Yeah, because I wanted to know if their subdivision was real. And I kind of looked it up and I couldn't find a Heritage Park subdivision in Grand Haven. OK. Um, so but yeah, I just kind of... Does that exist? Yeah. I, you know, I feel like in the author's note in the book, there was something about those houses um, in real life. Okay. But, but because I checked it out from the library, I don't have it to look at <laughs> Oh, you anymore. don't think it's in like the ebook? It, no, I think it is. But I think oh, that okay. because, I, because I turned oh, it back I in already, I don't have okay. a No, copy, I still but, have it. I'll have to look. Okay. Um, but yeah. So I, you know, I think... Viola Shipman did a good, did a nice job with the story. I, like you, I would like to go back and read maybe Some, another one, one in this. That's not in, so flowery. Well, <laughs> or are they? Right? We well, don't know. That's just it. Right. So because I feel like some of them are also about like summer homes in northern Michigan. Um, right. There's something like the bracelet. There's something yeah. the bracelet, and there's something else. But they are all set in Michigan. Yeah. Somewhere. So is that just the style, or was that right. a choice for the book about flowers? Right. Yeah. Right. So. Right. Anyway, so yeah, I'd give it a thumbs up. Oh, I absolutely. Would, yeah, I, I enjoyed would, it. I think the book will find, I think the the book will find a very specific audience amongst gardeners and flower lovers specifically, but also there's so much else going on that anybody who picks it up would really find something that they can relate right. to amongst right. all of the storylines. Right. Yes. So. Absolutely. Nice work, Wade. <laughs> Slash viola. Slash viola, yes. <laughs> All right. So, okay. So we're going to be back in a couple of weeks with The Authenticity Project. Yes. Which is fiction. Did you know? I did know that. <laughs> I did not. Oh, yeah, I yeah. this was a nonfiction book. Oh, did you really? Yeah, Oh, I did. no, no. no. So, when okay. I, so when I started reading it, I was pleasantly surprised. Um, so I we'll feel be... like I've read something else by Claire Poole. Does she re- written is something? It... Is it Poole? I don't is remember. Pool? Or is it Pooley? Something. Hang on. But I feel like I've read something else. Or at least I know that author's name. It's come across before. Um, so I read the author's notes on this one, and she was a blogger for a long time. Mm. Pooley. P-O-O-L-E-Y. Okay. Um, she was a blogger for a long time, and it's interesting, and we'll get into this in the other discussion, but um, her blog led to this book because it was about addiction, and the book has oh. some characters in there who are struggling with that. So I don't I don't think this will ruin anything, but I'm pretty sure our drink of choice for this authenticity project is going to be Bailey's. Oh, all right. That's, yeah, it's mentioned a lot. <laughs> okay, so so there's what that works for me. So anyway, so we'll be back in a couple of weeks with the Authenticity Project. In the meantime, we are posting regularly at litwithkellyandjacqueline.com. You can like us on Facebook for weekly, biweekly. Wait, no. What's the what's the word for twice, twice a week? A week. Um. You'll find updates <laughs> twice a week on Facebook. Twice a week. It <laughs> and, works for me. Um. 
and we'll be getting you new content there. So you can follow us there and um, we'll see you back here in two weeks for Claire Pooley's fictional book, The Authenticity Project. So cheers. Cheers. 